Welcome to the show. This is Paul George in studio. Great to be with you today. Actually have my main man, Casey Trohan, back in the studio. How's it going, Casey? I'm, I'm glad to be back. So that's become your catchphrase. What is? Paul George in the studio. Oh, well, you you I, love I'm, it. I'm actually honestly excited to be in a studio. As opposed to doing the show in your closet. Yeah, like in a closet with a computer and a microphone and, and making people believe. Yeah that the show's actually real. This makes me feel like that show's real. I mean, there's like this big screen TV in front. We got monitors. We got mics. We got a board. The we whole have thing. buttons that I, you don't know what they do. I have no idea what these buttons are. I really don't. <laughs> and even if you explained to me what the buttons were, I wouldn't even remember, which is why you're here, by the way. That's the only reason I'm here. And the, the only reason I'm here is because uh, I, I let you believe that it's more complicated than it is. Because well, I want to be in the room with well, you. I don't want to puff up your ego or even affirm you. <laughs> but besides knowing where all the buttons and the sliders go, uh, your sarcastic sense of humor is definitely an advantage. Aww. So anyway, Casey, here's here's what I was thinking. What was uh, a job that you really wanted when you were a kid? What were like some dream jobs that you wanted? Well, Paul, I wanted to work at a Catholic radio station. No, seriously. <laughs> that probably you weren't even Catholic when you were a kid. <laughs> That's the point. You're a convert. Um, I I wanted to be a musician for sure. That was from a very early age. Now, uh, I sang and and played guitar like through high school and college stuff. But what most people don't know is that I was a drummer as a kid. So like I wanted to be Neil Peart. Or okay, so your dream job was, was to be a rock star drummer, professional musician. Yeah. Any other dream jobs like a bus driver or anything else? Man, I just knew that I, I wanted to make money. And lo and behold, I start working for a nonprofit as an adult. So jokes on me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, sucker. <laughs> Were there any jobs that you absolutely didn't want? Um, yeah, I, I did not want to be a teacher <laughs> at all. There you Which go. But, look, look, great profession, noble profession. But right. I recognized very early on, I did not want to do that. That was not for you. Not for me. What about you, Paul? What, what was your dream job as little Paul George running around? Okay, so uh, my dream job growing up was either a professional football or baseball player. Um, hockey wasn't on the list because I grew up in South Louisiana, <laughs> so I never thought about it. Um, I wanted to be—I wanted to dr- ride on a fire truck. Nice. So fireman. That's that's like, yeah. Yeah, and then um, that—that's per- that was pretty much it. And when none of those happened, I was like, oh no. <laughs> what now? What now? But uh, there were some jobs that I absolutely didn't want to do, which was. Um, I did not want to be a pilot, and a lot of my friends wanted to be a pilot. I never wanted to fly a plane. Are you still scared to fly because you fly like every three days? I, I do, and uh, yeah, I don't like to fly. Huh. I hate it. So anyway, I was thinking about this because I came across this quote from a guy who's really cool. I have a, obviously a lot of respect for him, but he, he works in a job that I would absolutely never, ever, 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 ever want to do. Okay, I'm okay. intrigued. Okay, so here's the job. This guy's job is to be the household preacher to the Pope. Oh, okay. Yeah, wait, that's um, Father Ranero Cantalamesa. Father Romero Cantalamesa. So his job, yeah. his everyday job, like his main job is to wake up and preach to the Pope. Now, can you imagine the responsibility of his, the weight of his words go directly to the Holy Father? I mean, would you want that job? <laughs> I, oh, I can't even describe to you how fearful that would make me the like, pope would be in a bad situation if that was my no job kidding right but, so anyway this is this guy's job i didn't even know it was a job or people could have that job so father romero cantalamesa 
uh, main job is household preacher of the Pope. So uh, he'll actually give homilies for the Pope, you know, say mass or give retreats for the Pope. So he's, he's a, you know, obviously in the inner circle, but his words, the weight of his words, spiritual words go directly to the Holy Father. They don't bypass or go through someone else. Like he speaks to the Holy Father Mm -hmm. Directly, I would never, ever, ever want that job. He's done that for years. He's like, done that he's for like years. The third pope, I think. Though. Yeah, he he started with John Paul II, yeah. uh, went to Pope Benedict uh, the Sixteenth, and now is with Pope Francis. Apparently, he's good at his job. <laughs> no kidding. It's like he didn't get fired through the change of leadership. Yeah, it reminds me of like an Old Testament job was like a cupbearer. It was like the person who like tasted the king's food, and if and if the <laughs> and if it was poison, they would die. So they're in like the inner circle, but the weight of their their job is like really important. Yeah. Okay. So his job is is to be the household preacher of the pope. I would never want that responsibility. Although it would be cool to see the pope, meet the pope, get to talk to the pope, right? Because mm-hmm. the pope's important. Um, but to actually preach the pope would be crazy. So here's a, a recent quote that he said uh, that I thought was pretty powerful. Father Cantona Mesa states he says, "Without the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God, God's God's." Um, you know, grace, God's presence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, without the Holy Spirit, God is far away. Christ stays in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is simply an organization. Authority, a matter of domination. Mission, simply a matter of propaganda. Liturgy, no more than evocation and Christian living a slave to morality. So he, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And that's Father Cantola Mesa that said that. That's Father Cantola Mesa that says So this. to summarize, without the Holy Spirit, the church is just a bunch of guys with funny hats. Yeah, and it's dead. But he goes on to say, he says this, but with the Holy Spirit, the cosmos is resurrected and groans with birth pangs for the kingdom. The risen Christ is there. The gospel is the power of life. The church shows forth the life of the Trinity. Authority is a liberating service. Mission is a Pentecost. The liturgy is both memorial and anticipation. And human action is deified. Mic drop. He didn't didn't say mic drop. That's too deep for an introduction, Paul. Anyway, I, I just thought those words, boom, he just, and those words go directly to the Pope and then, and then reach out to us. So, Throughout this uh, this show, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I get a great guest coming on the show. Super excited about uh, true or false. This person was on a reality TV show. We'll be right back. Father Joel Falk, giving a brief reflection on my own journey to the priesthood. I'm from Abbeville, born and reared there. I went to Mount Carmel Elementary for me in Catholic High School, where I began to initially think about the possibility of priestly vocation. During my time following that at USL in Lafayette, I was very active at the Catholic Student Center, where I really began to seriously consider the possibility to the point where I decided to go to seminary to further discern. I did two years at St. Ben's, graduated, and moved on to theology studies in Rome. And during that time, I was, was growing in my vocation. And along that path, that God began to take me along the, the scenic route, as I like to refer to it, beginning uh, a long journey with major medical issues. I've had two bouts with leukemia and a heart transplant during my time in seminary. 
During those periods, I stepped out of seminary for about 10 years to kind of wrestle with where I was at and where I was really going and where I wanted to go and where God was calling me to. Those are 10 great years of growth and maturity that enabled me to finally eventually hear God slowly calling me back to come back into seminary, which I did in 2013, and then three years later was ordained as a priest. Those times of, of, of suffering and trials and tribulation were great opportunities to really grow to know who and what I am and what I was called to. They, they really bring to light an understanding of the person and have really enriched my formation and my understanding of the priesthood and the call to the cross that the priesthood entails. And it has been, uh, been a great blessing to go through that because I know the priestly life will entail much suffering, but I've also tasted the richness and the beauty of the fruits of that suffering and that will also inspire me and nourish me in the priestly life for the many fruits that will come from that life as well. Welcome back to the show. This is Paul George in studio. Great to be with you today. I am super excited to have our guest on today, Miss Leah Darrow Sodini. Leah, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, Paul. How are you? Thanks so much for taking the time today. So where are you right now, honestly? Well, if I have to be honest, I would tell you that I am actually um, inside my minivan in my driveway because I have three kids <laughs> under three, and for me to have any silence, I have to hide from them. This is amazing, just me visualizing you in your minivan on your phone for a radio interview, but you do this often, so you're used to it. So anyway, thanks for taking the time. Hey, we're going to start off with a little game, okay? Sure. All right, so it's called true or false or fill in the blank. So I'm going to ask you a question very simply. you It's either true or false or you fill in the blank. Deal? Okay, I think I got that. All right, you can handle it. All right, so you were a contestant on America's Top Model. True or false? False. You were a contestant on a reality TV show. True or false? True, but it was called America's Next Top Model. Next Top Model. I love it. Okay. I was just being, you know, honest with you trying to be, you know, clear. Well, that's why I asked the two questions, right? That's to, true. to bring clarity. I was, I was on there. Guilty. Guilty. Okay. okay. So the first time you met me, you thought blank. Uh, oh, this is a fill in the blank? Yeah. Uh, I think I just thought you were really tall. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, the first the first time I met you, you were speaking in stilettos. True or false? True. True. Your husband is blank and blank. Oh, this is where I fill in the blank. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, my husband is a green beret and an awesome daddy. Yep, and he bought you a minivan. Even better. <laughs> he bought me a minivan so I could escape from my kids from time to time to take radio interviews. So this is what I do. Yeah, I, and I and just for the record, so so you know, the AC's not on, so that can I have I can have a good you know audio uh, output there, and so I I could pass out some point during our interview. Okay, so <laughs> if, really we, hot. if we hear the van start up and the AC go on, we'll all forgive you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, your kids' names are blank, blank, and blank. Agnes, Ambrose, and Violet. I love it. All right, last question. You had the opportunity to go to Italy for the canonization of Mother Teresa. True or false? True. 
true. Wow. We got to get into that in a little bit because I, I got a lot of questions about that trip. So anyway, Leah, you and I have been knowing each other for a while. The first time I met you, uh, you were coming off sort of a whirlwind reality TV sort of extravaganza. You had this experience or this reconversion, I guess you could say, and and then you were speaking at, at these conferences. So let's go back then. You are on reality TV show, and what happens? Well, so I was on America's Next Top Model, and um, my life leading up to that point was just intense and a little crazy. I fell away from the face, uh, began to kind of have a slow fade when I was 15, um, and it just, just, just a slow fade. I mean, it was just like one small decision after another small decision, and before I knew it, I wasn't really practicing my faith at all. I wasn't really praying anymore or anything like that, and I was just... I don't know, just spent most of my time thinking that I could probably jump back into the whole church circle later, like when I'm old, because you have nothing to do when you're old. So I would just kind of postpone being faithful, and I would just postpone being um, holy until, you know, I guess when I had nothing better to do. Um, So anyways, I just kind of looked to the world. Uh, I just kind of thought it looked pretty great and fun and cool and pretty and I decided to try out the whole modeling thing. I ended up getting some success. I auditioned for America's Next Top Model. I got on that TV show. And then after I was eliminated on that show, though, I decided to stay in New York and model. And that's when things kind of slowly took um, a turn due south. Like things began to like unravel pretty quickly at that point in my life. I was having some doubts of like, what am I doing? Is this really fulfilling? I'm not sure I really like doing this, but the, but I feel like everybody else says that it's so great and I should be happy. So I just continued on because I was hoping everybody else would be right about my life choices, even though I kind of felt deep down that it wasn't working. Um, and I just got to a point where uh, I got I got an opportunity to audition, or not audition, but to be a part of a photo shoot for an international magazine. And it was a pretty big job. Um, and I was making really good money at that point. My paycheck had a comma in it, so I was pretty excited. I love commas. college grad. Yeah. Yeah, commas are good. And um, so, you know, I agreed to do it. And, you know, Polly was... It was in that moment, um, in that, in actually in the middle of that photo shoot where God just profoundly touched my heart in a way that I could not deny anymore. Um, kind of awkward because it was in the middle of a photo shoot, really didn't think he'd show up there, but uh, he had been pretty much knocking on my, in, on uh, the door of my heart for a long time. And I, sometimes I was aware of it and I just, didn't answer. I was like, nope, not gonna, not gonna do that. And then at this one moment in the middle of a photo shoot, I think my heart was just more open because, um, I was just so dissatisfied with, with my life and with the choices I was making. And, um, I just chose to accept whatever God was putting down. Hmm. And he just, in that moment reminded me that I was made for more than what this photo shoot could offer, than what the world could offer, than what my paycheck could offer than what being on the cover of a magazine could offer or even being on a TV show. Right. And um, I wanted whatever that more was. Right, I, so, I wanted it, so I ended up walking out. Wow. And so Okay, so let me let me stop you right there. Um, because 
not many of us can really, at least I can't relate to being on a reality TV show, especially a modeling uh, reality TV show. So most people probably can't relate to it. But here's what we can relate to is that we've all been in a place where we've made little decisions that led to other decisions that brought us to a place that we really didn't feel happy and fulfilled. You were at that place, and then all of a sudden, you know, God begins to intervene. Uh, what does that look like? And, and then where did you go from there? Um, you know, it's scary. Hmm. It, I, it's, um, it's unnerving. You feel so naked. Like you feel vulnerable, completely vulnerable. I mean, I, that's just the reality. I mean, that's the truth. It's not like, well, I just really felt it deep down in my heart that I should do something else. And so everything else perfect afterwards and that's just not the case it's you know if we're going to be honest about our faith if we're going to be honest about the journey towards christ we should be honest the fact that sometimes it's just hard Mm -hmm. and it was hard i knew what god was asking of me was truth i knew he was saying look i made you for more than this i know you're dissatisfied let me help you and what it ended up looking like in my life was i literally walked out of the photo shoot that was the first thing i did was just I just stopped doing <laughs> the things in my life that were clearly bringing me to a place where I was unhappy right. and sad, very sad. And um, so I walked out, and then the first thing, I, I really didn't know what to do. Like, I was just like, wh- I mean, And I think that's a, that's a good question I think many people have is like, okay, like, I know I need to make changes, but I don't know what to do. So what do you do? What does someone do when they're in that spot where they know that God's got more for them, that they need to make changes, but where do they go? What do they do? Well, for me, God gave me a grace, and it was a grace. It was not my own strength. It was really not my own like knowledge or wisdom to, to know like this is the perfect way that you achieve that, that next step. But I realized that now that this was it, and it was God's grace to help me do that. But I called and I asked for help. So for me, I called my dad. I called my parents, and my dad answered, and I, I just said, look, I said verbatim, if you don't come and get me, Dad, I'm going to lose my soul. Hmm. And my dad, um, he took a long pause, and he just said, uh, okay, baby, I'm coming to get you. My dad drove almost 2,000 miles across the United States to come to New York to pick me up. Right. And wow. that was the best thing I could do was just ask for help. And this is a lesson uh, not only for us to ask for help, but but uh, for parents who are listening are like, okay, uh, you know, your dad went to any extent to rescue you, you know, and that's such an image of God the Father that he showed you. Amen. It really was. I mean... So he drives out and comes and, and get you or what? Like... Does he pick you up in the middle of the night, take you home? Like, what happened? Well, he just, he made the drive. I mean, he made the drive from Missouri um, all the way to New York. He comes and he knocks on my door when he finally gets there. And I know it's my dad because he's got, like, the knuckles of a grizzly bear. So he's, like, knocking <laughs> on my door. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my father. And um, I get there. And this man, my, my dad's a big dude. He's, he's, he's a good man, but he's a hungry man, so he's, he just is always on the lookout for the next great restaurant. So he's this big dude. He's <laughs> standing in like my me. doorway. <laughs> and he's got his arms stretched out, both both arms stretched out. And as I open up the door, he just says, I am so happy to see you. And I was just like, like, what is your problem? Like, I am the worst child on the planet. I mean, 
Paul, I'm I'm the oldest of six kids. I'm the worst example for for them completely. I have been away from the faith now for ten years. For a decade, I've been away from the faith. Have not been receiving the sacraments. Have not been praying. No, it's not that I don't believe in God. I just choose not to include him in any aspect of my life. So I just can't believe that he's happy to see a person like that. But he just is excited, and he says he wants to do all these things before he leaves New York and go to Central Park, and of course he wants to go to this restaurant, you have like this certain sandwich, which confused me, because I was like, you know, I'm only at the point of spiritual despair, but sure. He's playing, my, he's playing mind games with you at this point. Like, he's got you Maybe confused, you know? Maybe that's what parents do. Maybe I should, it's a trick I should learn from my own kids. But yeah, he was doing that, and then I just said, okay, Dad, let's go ahead and go. And he just looked at me, and he um, put up his finger, and he goes, but first, we go to confession. Wow. And, yeah. That he just dropped been, that. Yeah. It was like a mic drop moment. And I was like, um, you know, that's, I probably should do that. It's a really good idea. Reconcile myself back to God. Admit that I've got problems. <laughs> ask God for his forgiveness. And... I was just nervous and scared, and uh, he ended up just really quickly saying, Leah, you know, you called, and you ne- you said you needed to come home, and I'm here to take you home, and Jesus is home. Hmm. Wow. What a moment. So, so, so you got your butt into the confessional that day. Yes, I did. I did that day. I did. I, um... I went, I knelt down, I'll spare you all the gory details, but I gave, I gave, um, Christ, uh, through that priest, I gave him everything. I, I stopped pretending. That was like the biggest thing. I just stopped pretending to be somebody I wasn't. I stopped pretending to be the girl on top model. I stopped pretending to be, um, this girl that walks down the street in New York in her stilettos acting like she has it together. Um, I don't have a problem with the stilettos. I just have a problem with the whole pretending. Mm. And I just stopped doing it. I was like, look, Christ, this is who I am, which of course you know, and I'm admitting to you that I do not have my stuff together, that I am clueless, I am broken, I am depressed, I am angry at myself because of you know choosing the things that I chose, and I just need help. And it was just a very real moment with me and Christ, and... Uh, I gave Christ everything, every secret, every dark, twisted sin that I committed. Um, and in return, he gave me peace. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me mercy. He gave me hope. He renewed hope in my life and in my heart that I could be different, that I could change, that not only would he um, give me new life, but he would also give me a way to share my new life with others. And hmm. that's that's the beauty of my story is that Christ came into it and he changed my life. Amen. Um, yeah. Praise be to God that he did. And and he does it every single day since. Yeah. So, uh, you went from like reality TV to like real reality, you know, of what God brought (laughs) into your life. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to talk about how you went from reality TV, uh, to author. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. 
To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, O most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. Welcome back to the show. This is Paul George in studio, Casey Trahan, producer. Thanks, Casey, for being here. Been an interview with Leah Darrow Sodini. Leah, you're sitting in a minivan. I am. I'm in my minivan in my driveway in the Midwest in the middle of the summer still. So uh, there, this is there, fun. There couldn't be more of a reality than that image right there. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in my truck for interviews or to plan talks or drive up at the house and finish work and just sat in my car because I know what it's like to go into a house full of kids. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know what else to say, but yeah. It's just real, and it's rough, and yes, it's awesome. I'm not saying it's not awesome, but dude, it just it's just rough some days. Like, I'm looking down at my sweatpants, um, and there are three markings on them, and I'm pretty sure all of them are bodily fluids, and they do not belong to me. Yeah. They, they are not my own. And I'm kind of glad they're not your own, because <laughs> then I would really worry about right? <laughs> But uh, the, the fact that they're your kids, just that's fine. We'll deal with that. So Leah Darrow, leahdarrow.com is your website. You just came out with a book, Decent Exposure, which is out. You also have a free book online called Reclaim Your Beauty. You can get that on your website. But Leah, so so you go from America's Top Models to this conversion, and we were talking about that. Uh, and then it's like God just took you and just catapulted you. It's like once the grace started moving in your life, it was like f- he fast-forwarded you pretty quickly into this new life living for him, right? Yes. Um, I can say that now, yes. At the time, no, it did not feel like that. At the time, it was like, you know, watching paint dry. It was like, oh, my gosh. Where do I go from here? Everything just felt, yeah, slow, and am I making progress? Am I doing better? And then sometimes, you know, I'd fall back into an old sin, and it was like, oh, dear God, that hurts even worse than the first time because Mm. now I know the mercy of Christ in this very um, tangible way. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just constantly trying to like renew my heart, renew my life. And there's a line, um, there's a sentence said by Pope Benedict, and I love it, very simple. But he just said that being a Christian means conversion. And I had to repeat that every single day so I would not get caught up with the fact of thinking that I had arrived just because I had one moment mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of like a light bulb finally, you know, turning on in my life in the middle of that photo shoot. Like, it's not just, conversion's not just this huge moment that happens once. We should be praying and accepting the moments of conversion every day in our life. Um, That light bulb needs to turn on every single day. We cannot live in darkness. And so it is just, you know, yeah, I mean, God, God's grace definitely catapulted me, and I see that now, but at the time it was just, walking with him every day and it still is every day i wake up it's still walking with him asking him 
Lord, how do you want to convert me today? What do you want to work on 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 me? Because I have so much that still needs work, and I, I'm not there yet. Yeah, I think that's great for people to know, and, and for us, is that conversion is a process. Life's a process. And the word conversion in the Greek means to rethink, which is this 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 action of rethinking our life through a, through a new lens. So when we have a conversion, we begin to rethink what life looks like through the lenses of, of the life that God desires and wants for us. And so this process of sort of this revisioning for our life, and, and that's what happened to you, happened to me, is that all of a sudden you're placed with a new vision for your life, and, and it was a slow process, but, but all of a sudden God just began to push you forward with grace. And you left America's uh, top model and, and, and that whole scene, you weren't married, you didn't have kids, and, and today here you are, you're uh, you know, a wife, a, a mother, and you know, a full-time author and speaker. I mean, who would have ever thought that? No, yeah, definitely not me. I, yeah, no way. And no one in my family, everybody thought that I was a lost cause. It's definitely by God's grace and, um, and of course, me cooperating, but God's grace alone that any of this could even happen. Uh, but I'm very happy that it has now that I'm on this side of it. I love, love sharing the message of mercy and hope. And I feel like that that is at the heart of what God has called me to do. And he's, that's at the heart of even when I speak about beauty and reclaiming our beauty. It is because of Christ's mercy and hope that we as women in the world have a profound place to change it through reclaiming our beauty and not just the exterior, but realizing that beauty is of service to another, which is why I went on that pilgrimage to see the canonization of Mother Teresa. And God is just taking me places that I never thought I'd be, but I'm so happy to be here and to talk on his mercy, his conversion, how we can love each other where we're at and bring them to a place to know Jesus more. Yeah, I mean, there's so much I want to talk to you about, and we don't have a ton of time. Uh, so those of you guys who are listening, you can find Leah at leahdarrow.com. She's got a new book out called Decent Exposure. Tell me a little bit about the book. Yeah, Decent Exposure is a great book. It's, it's just really fun. I wrote it with my friend Jessica Ray, and we wanted to have a place where girls could pick up a book. It's got tons of pictures, great quotes from people in the, in the Hollywood scene and everywhere else. Um, to remind them of, of their dignity and their value as, as, as young ladies, as, as women in the world. It reminds them that beauty is more than just lip gloss and mascara, and that to live a beautiful life is to live a life of service and to take good care of yourself as well, and how to do that in a way that, per, that puts the best foot forward and always showcases our dignity over our body parts. So can dudes read it? Dudes should read it. I per now it, it was written for women, but however, um, guys should read this. Dads, you need to get this book for your daughter. Hmm. Um, husbands, you need brothers need to read this. So number one, you can see some challenges that women face, but also that you can help speak to women in the world about their beauty and their value. That is much more than what you see. All right, so I want to I want to talk to you about that real quick because you have small kids. My kids are a little bit older. Uh, what the importance of speaking as a parent truth into your child's life about their identity and their beauty, both male and female, H how huge is that? Uh, is there anything bigger? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking, I mean, Mother Teresa said this time and time again. She says, we have forgotten that we belong to one another. You know, having kids is one of the biggest responsibilities that we have as humans and taking care of another, and to remind them who they are. Because if we don't tell them who they are, the world will give them an identity. Hmm. 
if we don't remind them of their identity, that they are loved, that they are invaluable, that they are unrepeatable, if we don't remind them of their identity in terms of of being a child of God, the world's going to give them something different. We tell them who they are. We tell them who they're loved by so that they can know how to act and how to serve others. It is the foundation of everything that is required of a human being that we need to make sure we act out daily in our lives as parents. Yeah, and if, if we don't um, bring our, our kids to a place where they can find their identity in Christ, th- then they'll let the world define who they are, which is something that you shared in your story. But it's interesting that you knew exactly who and where to call when you needed to reclaim your identity. You called your dad. That's right. I called my dad. Um, And it's such a beautiful analogy of the parable of the prodigal son, but we go home, and home should be a place of love and compassion. My parents did not mince any words. They told me how I was living my life was wrong, but they always loved me. They always kept in contact. And so I knew where to go when I needed help. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I need help. And what did my dad do? He came there for me. And it's just a glimpse of what God the Father does for us, because he's always there, and he's always calling us home. And and he's given us his son, Jesus, in order to do that in the most beautiful way in the sacraments. And it's just beautiful. It's just, it's simple. Um, It's loving the Lord. It's loving others. It's always knowing that um, anything good in our life is because of Christ. All right, so I want to get into this recent trip you took on uh, to Italy. People are fascinated with Mother Teresa, both Catholic, non-Catholic, even even non-Christians, uh, because of the life she lived uh, as a saint. Uh, so, so you take a trip, a pilgrimage. What? You just go to Italy. You show up. Like, what happened? So I decided I would. I wanted to go to Italy, and I wanted to go for the canonization of Mother Teresa. Um, and it just worked out. And so I led a pilgrimage group of 20 um, young ladies to Fun. Italy to witness the canonization of Mother Teresa. And then after that, we did the awesome touring of Rome, and we went to Assisi. But the canonization was phenomenal. Um, and uh, actually, the day before the canonization is the Saturday before it. Um, the day before was the catechesis that Pope Francis gave. Hmm. And Paul, actually, I've, I haven't even spoken of this in like a formal way yet. So you're the first person that I've told this to um, in, in such a form, formal way, I guess, and trying to explain it more now that it's in process. But I got to meet Pope Francis. Shut up. Breaking news. I Leo did. Darrow. I did. So Violet, I brought my three-month-old with me, of course, because I'm her food source. So um, she came with me, and I got to meet Pope Francis the day before the canonization. Like, did they line you up a meeting with him, or you were just, like, having coffee and ran into him? Like, what happened? Right. Yeah, we were in line getting pizza together. No, um, I I got a, I was able to get a special ticket, and so after the after the Saturday catechesis on the workers of mercy that Pope Francis spoke on, wow. um, there was a line of people that were allowed to meet him and greet him. And um, did he kiss Violet? He went by. Yeah, and he held Violet Shut and kissed up. her and blessed her. And yeah, and I got to meet him and talk to him, and um, it was a beautiful. Uh, moment just in Italy, obviously being there in the Eternal City in Rome, in St. Peter's, meeting the Holy Father, and then um, the canonization of Mother Teresa the next day was like perfect. Just just to hear him say those words during that canonization mass, you know, proclaiming her as Saint Teresa of Calcutta. I mean, the eruption from everybody that the hundreds of thousands of people in St. Peter's Square was 
moving. It was so moving. Like your heart just wanted to skip a beat just to hear it because we all, we all know that she was a saint. We all knew from like pretty much while she was still doing the work, like this is, this is the work of a saint. And the church was just proclaiming what the world was already, already saying of like, yes, this woman has lived an extraordinary life for Jesus Christ. Wow. That's crazy. So one word to sum up your, your meeting with Pope Francis. Gentle. Uh, he was so gentle. Hmm. He was just, I felt like, um, I lost my grandpa a few years ago and I was, I was very, very close to him. And he reminded me when he approached me of my grandpa, of how my grandpa would approach me just calmly and very gentle. And he gave me a hug and he kissed my cheek and Pope Francis held my hand the entire time we were talking and he was very gentle. It was very intentional. He wasn't just like putting his hand out, but he was holding it tightly. And he looked in my eyes and sm- spoke to me and, and listened to me the entire time, and it wasn't rushed. It was just a very gentle encounter with somebody who clearly loved Christ and was trying his best to love others. And it was just a very moving experience, and it wasn't rushed, and uh, it was just what you would hope it would be. Wow. That's great. So you're there at the canonization of Mother Teresa. What an experience. Um, did you have any good wine in Italy? Oh, everything is good wine in Italy. Like their house wine is like amazing wine. So <laughs> it was just fantastic. Every t- and of course, everywhere where you go, they just, they just come out and pour you a glass of wine before you even have water. It's always <laughs> wine before water in Italy. And, uh, it was great. I can't believe my body began to like somehow, I think there's like a miracle. I think God took the wine and turned it into water so that I would just remain hydrated the entire trip. I think that's how some of, the time. some of the Italian saints are incorruptible. They just have enough wine in their body to keep their body alive for the rest, <laughs> rest of eternity. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. Anyway, Leah, thanks so much for taking the time today in your minivan uh, to chat. You're amazing. Tell Ricky, said hello, and the next interview, uh, we can talk a little bit more about him. Absolutely. That sounds great. Thanks for having me, Paul. All right. Have a great day. God bless you. God bless Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. Rachel's Vineyard is an opportunity for any woman or man who struggles with the emotional and spiritual pain of abortion. It is a weekend to experience the healing power of the mercy and compassion of God in a safe, supportive, and spiritual environment. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Call 337-261-5607 to register for this retreat that can help transform your pain of the past into hope for your future. Welcome back to the show. This is Paul George in studio, Casey Trohon. Casey, you've been quiet for a while. Well, I mean, Leah was doing her thing. 
You know? Yeah, she did a great job. It was great having Leah Darrow on the show. Uh, thanks, Leah, for coming on. You can find her at leahdarrow.com, all of her information. Uh, so anyway, great interview and great show so far. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible story. Like I, I've got nothing to input on that. <laughs> I'll just sit quietly in the corner and push the buttons. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to play this game, Casey, called uh, Six Pack of Questions. I got a good one for you. Okay. So based off the conversation, again, I was pushing buttons, I was listening. Right. And I was thinking of things you to stuff you actually were with. listening, which was impressive. Yeah. I, I, normally, don't, I normally don't listen to you talk. I just kind of zone out. Or other people, <laughs> you're zoned out. But uh, the uh, America's Top Model had your attention today. So she was on America's Top, next top model. We next. always forget the next. Okay, yes. So the first question is, can you name five models? Um, I, I, I can you name three? I can't name one. Really? Yeah, which probably is a good thing. Maybe, maybe so. Like if I if I knew five, but not even the famous was like Tyra Banks. Yeah. Well, now that you say it, I recognize okay, so that's her name. One. Okay. Can you think of any others? Um, there's one that uh, was a judge on America's Got Talent. She's a judge, but I don't know her name. But she's a model. Tom Brady's wife is a model. Uh, he's a football <laughs> player, so I know him. So that that's two who I know of. Heidi Klum? She's a, yeah, that's the one on America's Got Talent. Okay. She's a judge. Yeah, okay, so I'm laughing at you, but I can't really do it either. So It's probably a good thing. For, first question out the window, neither one. All right, so she, Leah... Went to the canonization of Mother Teresa. Yep. Right. And she's now known as Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Calcutta. Can you spell Calcutta? Uh, I can. Uh, it's spelled like a, a friend's name, uh, Calada. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of frozen on air. I'm a horrible speller, Casey. How do you spell <laughs> it? K-O-L-K-A-T-A. I didn't look that up, so I'm not sure if it's completely right. But that's, I think that's how you spell Calcutta. Calcutta. I thought it was a C, actually. No, that's the. There's a fishing reel called Calcutta. Are you a fisherman? Yeah, and yeah, and it's spelled differently. Okay. This the city. Okay, number three. Moving along. She was in Italy. She talked about her time in Italy. Yeah. So, what is your favorite place in the world to visit? Favorite place in the world to visit. Okay, for, so if it's a pilgrimage site, I'm definitely going Rome and Assisi. Uh, fascinating. As she talked, it brought back some great memories. I want to go back. Uh, but Australia, hands down, the outdoors, the culture. Uh, Have just, you ever been, or is that just a wish list? No, I've thing? been. Oh, and I want to go back. So, That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, Australia. All right. So, a follow up question. She also talked about you know her life in New York City. Now we're kind of moving along to the, the dad. He was there. He wants to visit the site. So, what's your favorite site? In New York City. Favorite site besides Central Park. So Central Park is your... Central Park, I go Wall Street, downtown. Those are my favorite sites. Like looking at the bull. Looking at the bull. Um, it, it does kind of have, like, uh, it does make you feel a little claustrophobic down there. No like, kidding. Like, uh, like you need some space and kind of get out. So it's like, I can go in. Oh, okay, this is great. This is awesome now. Let, get home. Yeah, let's go out For uh, sure. a little bit further away. All right. Also, a question about her dad. He, he drove 2,000 miles mm -hmm. to go pick his daughter up. Yeah. What's the longest drive you've ever taken? The longest drive I've ever taken? That you've ever driven yourself driving. Okay, so I drove from uh, 
Phoenix, Arizona, to Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. Yeah. By yourself? Uh, in a moving truck. Yes, with my wife and one-year-old. It was the worst drive. The history of the planet, I think if they ever did an interview, we would be top five. <laughs> we ran out of gas on the top of a mountain in New Mexico in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah, everything went wrong, uh, but we made it alive and well. We were moving from Phoenix, Arizona to Atlanta, Georgia. So that beat the recent trip, which was from driving from Louisiana to Arizona, which is a nice drive. Now, you drove from Louisiana to California. And back, yep. And back. I wouldn't With, have made it back. Yeah, you, you had your one-year-old. I had uh, my three-year-old, my two-year-old, and my four-month-old in a van Asterisk with my mother-in-law. So, were there any body fluids uh, from kids in the <laughs> yeah. in the car, like yeah. Leah talked about? Quite, quite a few. Yeah. All right. So, the last question. Her entire testimony came to a culmination. Her dad said, "But first, we go to confession." Mm-hmm. Do you have a story? Maybe you don't. Surrounding a memorable confession. That's a good question. Yeah, and it, it was really sort of like Leah. It was my first confession. After my initial reconversion to the faith, um, I I went to confession, and I was scared to death. I hadn't been to confession since my first confession in second grade, and now I was 16 or 17 years old. Uh, I went to confession, and I, yeah, man, I just let it all out. I came out of of that confession thinking my life is completely 100% different now. I remember the tangible feeling of grace in that moment. Certainly as she talked that um, conversion isn't just just this one-time thing, but there are times in our life where God intervenes in a way that really makes us stop in our tracks, and the grace is there for us to make a really crucial decision that changes the course of our life, right? Mm-hmm. The direction of our life. That to keep that, that, that grace going in that direction uh, grace and nature work together. So we have to continue to make uh, good decisions that lead us into the direction that God wants us to go, where grace continues to push us. So as we're living our life, we can't just assume, oh, I had this one experience or I had this one convert, but God's not there anymore. We have to get back to making good decisions uh, that are in line with what God wants us to do in our life. Make sense? Makes sense. So great interview with Leah today. She was awesome. And uh, I want to encourage you guys today to, to not think of, of conversion as this one moment, but, but a process of rethinking your life every day, uh, each day thinking, God, how do you want me to live my life and how do you want me to make my decisions for you today? So thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. God bless.